Hey friends, this episode may sound a little different. What we found after recording Grace in the Gray is that some of our best conversations take place around the table after we stop recording. So after our last episode, cracking the door on hard conversations, we kept the mic rolling. This is the raw, unfiltered content, and I hope you love it. T. Yes, sir. Practically, how do we? Let's say you've got a you've got a person who don't turn everything off yet. Just in case. <laughs> well, I just let's you 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 are struggling. You someone is struggling. Practically speaking, what is the best first, or what are possible first steps? action steps that he or she can take that that help get it out there help with the recovery process help with that because that's the scariest part of it all is that first step can you all put your headphones back on because this might be additional content every time well i just i personally speaking that is the that is it was the sole hardest thing about my realization that i was drinking way too much was what do i do about it how do i this has been so, such a part of who i am and and i associate it with so many things there's no way i can just stop that's not an option right there's if um and Nobody would have known. Not one person in this room would have known. Um, my wife wouldn't have known. Um, she did to an extent, enough that caused her concern to bring it up to me, um, but not to the point where she's calling an intervention, right? But I was broken and done and hiding it from everybody. And so for those people that are doing that and they're thinking, yeah, that sounds that's for the really bad people, the folks that are really, really struggling, you're the one really, really struggling, <laughs> right? And and what is a practical first step for these people to take to, to just throw the white flag up and say, okay, I'm. it's not about stopping all of this right now. It's not about uh, now I'm a good boy because I woke up today and I've, I've decided I'm going to stop doing these things, right? So what? how can we help that one person that's out there that's, that knows that I'm, we're talking to them right now as it relates to they know there's an issue. They've done a good job, a good enough job in their minds, at least, of hiding it. And enough's enough. They're tired of fighting it. What are, what are ways they can, what do they do, right? What is a practical first step for this person? I, um, so I want to address two sides of this coin. Um, I'll address first the question that you asked, what can that person do? What you've just described is a huge first step. They've realized it in their mind. They're having that self-talk with themselves and becoming real in their own mind rather than continuing down the road of denial. Do you know what I mean? And that oh, yeah. is a huge first step. Mm -hmm. And so then I would say the next step that is important is to come alongside a trusted family member or a trusted friend um, that you can sit down with and be transparent with them. We don't have to stand on the rooftop 
and tell everybody in the world that we're struggling and show everybody our underwear, right? Um, but we do have to, um, I think, confess, I'll, I'll use that word, just talk to someone that that we can admit, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I don't really know where to turn. And right now, my first step is just to admit it to someone else. I've admitted it to myself, and now I want to talk to you about it. And so, and so I always tell people, you don't have to figure out the next six months. You just got to figure out the next step that you're going to take. It's just the next step because people have a tendency to be so overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed with life anyway. And then if you add something like substance abuse on top of it with the shame and guilt and the denial and everything that comes along with that, oh my goodness, it is, it's painful and it's scary and intimidating and the whole nine yards, you're afraid of being judged by other people. So I would say, um, be honest with yourself and then be honest with at least one other person. That's good. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to, I don't want to flip it now. Did that give enough of an answer? It did. And, and frankly, for me, I, I'm thinking about it, how you answered it. That's exactly what, how it played out for me. And it was Lauren. Went like I went and Rick on the way to work and those things. We, we, he helped me through the process, but the day that it really hit me and that I was done, Lauren got back from out of town and I I'm not a very emotional dude, right? But being able to tell her, you were right. This is not good. And and I mean, I've just broke down. But it was the coolest experience after that. Because I felt the way, I felt, number one, like I was, I could be the husband I needed to be again. Even with my struggles. But she's in the circle, where she deserves to be. Because you're not bearing it alone anymore. Right. Yeah. She's where she She's, needs to yeah. be. That's what, that's, I mean, that's part of it. Um, and bringing someone in your circle and getting out your dumb head is, I mean, that's, that is the biggest part of this. And then let it go from there. Let, just see what, ha- there is no, that is it though. It's not that hard is the point, right? There's not this scary process where you're going and they strip you naked and spray you down with a, and now you're. <laughs> I mean, right? It's but, it's a simple. But what you're talking what you're talking about, like regardless, regardless of someone if someone's spiritual or not, like what I see when I read scripture is the devil is going to do anything he can Absolutely. to get you to think that's going to happen. Yep. Right. So he's going to make he is going to work as hard as humanly possible to get you to think if I share this thing, they're going to strip me naked. They're going to spray me with whatever you talked about. I don't know, but. Yeah. I've never had that happen. I haven't. Not yet. Not yet, at least. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's one of those where it's like, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. It's, no, you're fine. It, but it's it's one of those where he wants to keep you from that relief that you got from inviting someone else to bear that weight with you. Yep. Right? Like, you invited Lauren she didn't take the weight away from you. The weight wasn't gone. Like it's still there. It's still something that you're you're carrying or you're struggling through and trying to figure out what's my next step, what's my next step, what's my next step. But ultimately through inviting Lauren, through inviting Christ, like you're inviting people to help lighten that load for yeah. you. And it opens you up to to change. It opens you up to and and it's the scariest part. And that was my point with all of it. And bringing it up in the first place was that first step is not that hard. It's not. It's not what we make it. It's not the lies. And the devil's so good. 
at telling us at our at telling ourselves lies, us telling ourselves lies. Um, he's so good at it. He has perfected it over time, and it's BS for me. What I've done because I constantly fight. I mean, I've got more issues than you could imagine. Okay, Same. I mean, but what I have tried to do is have a defense mechanism. You mentioned toolbox. My toolbox now is when I start going down that road in in my head, right? Like I'm just going to, all right, it's been a while. I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get a drink. Like it's been a while. I've shown that I've been good. I'm going to go get big old, and my issue was with wine and bo- like dark bourbon. Um, and so I'll just, I can do it now. It's been a month is to say that is not right. It feels right. Yeah. It feels, it makes sense, right? It's been a month and a half. I hadn't had a drink at all. Time to celebrate. <laughs> I mean, that makes yeah. sense though. That's but it's word. being, it's it's recognizing. And then the trick is for me has been look up, tell yourself that's not true. That's not, that's lies. That's death. That's destruction. That's not real. And and having that to combat yeah. the dev, those thoughts that come in your head. And even then it's hard, but knowing that there is help, you look up. Yeah. And you say, I'm not doing this. I'm not dealing with you, devil in my head. I'm not dealing with it. I'm running to the cross. And I think there, to the cross. I think there's also the fact you're looking up, but then you're also looking out because it's like the more people you invite, obviously not going up to random people and just say, hey, I have this issue. Yeah. Do you have it? What, what do you struggle with? Like not that, but people that you, you trust. Because the more, like I found, the more that I am willing to confess the things that I am gripping to because the devil's had me believe it, the more I hear, hey, I struggle with that too. And hearing that is one of the greatest things. Like one of the coolest parts about you being so open about your story in the last episode, this episode, is the fact that there are so many people that are listening to it saying, I've been there too. Mm -hmm. And you're coming alongside them and saying, I'm with you. Like I'm struggling with that too. And, and that, you're not alone. It's a current struggle. Yeah. That's the key. I know. Right? I'm certainly not here and wouldn't be here if it was, oh, look what I did. Because I fight like hell with it yeah. all the time. I want a drink right now. I mean, I I would. If there was a drink here, I'd, I'd have one. Like, it's just, there is, and that's okay. That's the other thing. You're never, for me, hopefully one day I beat it and it's gone and there's never an issue with me. But that's not today, and that's okay, right? It's not where I want it to be. It's not, but I've accepted that it's a battle that I've got, and that, you know. But you're so right in speaking truth over it, in here, taking that thought captive, like Scripture says, that we've got to take those thoughts captive, and then because of this thought, what's my next step to, to speak truth over this thought. I want to turn the question that you ask on the other side of the coin for just a second, because you said, what do the people who are struggling need to do um, to take their next step? Well, what about the onlookers? What about the family members or the friends? If they're concerned that something may be going on, how do they know? What are the things they need to be looking for? How, if we're concerned that someone may have a substance use disorder, or if we're concerned that someone may be struggling with some aspect of their mental health, what do we do? How do we really know when we need to crack the door and have those conversations? And so if you are a family member or friends listening to this and you, you, you're just asking that question, then I want to encourage you to look for four th- areas, look for four things in the lives of your loved ones or your friends. And that is whether or not they're having 
difficulty, and I call them the four L's, the ability to live, laugh, love, and learn. Is that individual having trouble with their relationships? With friend, if it's a young person with friends at school, are they getting invites all the time? You know, with your the the guys in the youth, um, just can't sometimes seem to get girls along. too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pulling hair, <laughs> can't get along with anybody. Are they having trouble with managing finances? Are they having trouble with managing their calendar and being able to keep everything straight in their workday or in their personal lives? Um, are they having trouble learning new things? You know, um, so it's kind of you see. Sometimes slowly, but sometimes eventually with Philip Jr., we saw an unraveling and and a difficulty with him um, when he was at his worst as far as the mental health issue and the substance abuse, the unraveling of his ability to live, laugh, love, and learn. All of those, you'll see a physical decline in their appearance and then the ability to just, in general, manage key areas of life. And so watch for those. Those can be warning signs for our loved ones or our friends that they may be struggling, and that may lead to a caring conversation with those individuals. Can, can I ask a question just to go a little bit deeper? Because um, I've, only, I've only been here for three years. But one of the things when Lauren and I were looking at the the job going to Cedar Creek, like one of the things that stuck out to us that we've almost never seen in a church is we had, we came and there were so many different types of people that were here, right? And I, th- I think that has to do with, you know, Richard and Lori Swift, but also a reflection of you and Philip. And, and I, the question I want to ask is because we live in the the Bible Belt South, it's really easy. And why people don't want to open up is because – when we do, there's almost that. Well, how could you struggle with that? You've been going to church your whole life. You've been praying. You've been you've been reading your Bible. You know, like those types of things. And there's almost this looking down upon. But then I take it even deeper because I look at you and Philip. And if there's anybody that should almost have that holier than thou, like how how dare you even ask me this question that you're struggling with this thing, or how could you struggle with this thing? Y'all aren't that at all. As we've seen from this conversation, many different conversations, the efforts that you guys are doing. So how you and Philip specifically, but also just people in general that live in this culture, how can we combat that where it's almost how can we fight against the. The perception of. Yeah, just the perception or the tide that that rises so often of. How how are you struggling with that? Like I would never, I miss what you said. Like at least I'm not as bad as so and so. Or how like how could someone even struggle with this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just this judge almost this judgmental. How can we combat that so that we can be real, be transparent, get the help that we need? How do we combat that? I, I think you just said in your sentence how to combat it. You combat it by being real and transparent. Again, not not by shouting from the rooftop. I choose to share a lot of the content that I share on Facebook, not to bring light to our family, not to shame Philip Jr. Philip Jr. is healed and whole right now. Yeah. He's in the best place that he could be. Um, and we are proud of Philip Jr. He was a beautiful young man. Um um, but he was not well. 
And so I share from a posture of pain and realness, not from a posture of a perfect pastor's wife in a perfect family with our glass house, look in our glass house and see all beauty and the house is clean. Because it's not. We have issues and, you know, I have a, a little um, block that sits in my window that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> and some days it may be a lot. I mean, I try not to, but but my real, I, first I was raised in a small town in the South. And so what you see is what you get, kind of with Terry Lee. And so shout out Dylan, so, South Carolina, yeah. all the Dylanites out and there, so, Dylan 10. But there's a, there can be positives and negatives in that. There are some things that I really, really end up having to ask forgiveness for. <laughs> <laughs> um but in transparency and in sharing my pain and in sharing my yuck stuff, the stuff that I struggle with and all that kind of stuff, too, I think that that's what draws people to us. And when I can draw people towards me, then I can draw them towards Jesus through and I'll try not to cry. I always cry. Mm-hmm. Then we can draw people to Jesus through the story that he is giving us in our lives, because our story is his story, hopefully, that he is using. And so the transparency, the transparency is how we break through that judgmental stuff and judgmental, non-judgmental listening is one of the mental health first aid action plans, action items. And it's there because it's important, because when people feel judged, oh, my goodness, it shuts them down. It And young people as well as people who are struggling with a substance use disorder, um, they can sniff out insincerity and a judgmental attitude. Um, Then it's over for that person. Yeah, and I learned this the hard way, too, um, because I was one of those um, mamas. I saw Phillips decline. I could see the substance use. Now, we had no idea the mental health component was there. Um, as far as the bipolar, but I was one of these mamas that was looking and we c- could tell he was literally, you know, not literally, but figuratively driving his car off the cliff. I'm like, why are you doing this? You're gifted. You are, you know, all of this. And there was probably, I, I know he felt judged from time to time. And so I would say to that, um, do not focus on the behavior. I focused a lot of times on Philip's behavior. It's not the behavior. It's the what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your mind, what's driving you to this behavior. It's the why again. And it's a, I did, it's called root cause analysis at the hospital, and they taught us to, you have to ask the why question at least five times. And if you don't ask it that many times, then you're at risk for, it's called a repeat event. For the same thing happening over and over again if you're not getting to the why. And so, and it may take a while to get to the why, but focusing on the behavior and focusing on this is bad behavior and you shouldn't be doing this is oftentimes the way the church has functioned and the message that we have given to individuals who are struggling with substance abuse. And we have got to stop that mess. We've got to embrace these people. Um, Many people that I walk with now in this area of substance abuse have told me that the church, when they are struggling at their greatest, 
they have said the church is the last place I would go. Well, doggone it. <laughs> we got to change that. The big C yeah. church, Cedar Creek can start, but the big C church, we got to change that. Yeah. Is it- Why these people say the church is the last place they need to go? They felt something they shouldn't feel. That's it. In the church. Because it, so, it comes down to, and, and you even mentioned it from Mark, like we have a a Savior who very much so was the first place that people went to. All people, yeah. not just religious people. The religious people actually didn't want anything to do with Jesus because he was just so drastically different than what they thought was right. Um. But man, yeah, you're and his right. attraction to the lost and hurting. Yeah. Think, I mean, that is, and you said that Terry, um, and I've heard Philip preach on it before, and 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 has told me before, um, and I believe this with the depth of my soul is it is not our story. It's not. So if you've got some, if you're hurting, it's not your. That's not your story. Your story isn't done by any means, right? It's his story, and that is not his story. It's. Uh, there will be troubles. There will be trials. That's facts, right? But to just say, my story's written and I'm done, let him write your story. And, and, and mine's being written as we go and the fight's ongoing as we go. And I'm sitting here, you know, Terry and I, I've been with Overflow since the beginning, right? I have been on the board and helped create it and, and wait, but Kevin's struggling with these things? That's anti-overflow? Yes. Right? Yes. And and through overflow, I've been willing to say yes. And, the, does that make sense? That's not anti-overflow, though. You're, you know what you're I mean. the poster child. You are, you are the reason for overflow, and you now have a story of hope that you're sharing with other people. That is the overflow story. Well, I, you're right. And I didn't mean it that way, anti-overflow, but the point of overflow is to help the— the the president of the board mm-hmm. now yeah. do you know this I didn't it's a big deal man big probably deal that, right? I probably wouldn't have talked as yeah I, I was the only one who voted and that <laughs> which is perfect um, at the end of the day though that is that's the key side of it is come struggle with us we mentioned it the other day or last time come struggle with us we're all if you go to the church and this isn't a Cedar Creek go to any church that'll struggle with you and that preaches from the word and that brings Christ to light in your life. And that's... I, th- I think the the reason I asked that original question, because if I'm being honest, even though I have an understanding of the gospel, I seek to live for Jesus' day, like, it's still really easy to fall into that judgmental camp. It's really... Because again, it's easier outside looking in to say, why can't this person just figure it out? Like, how are they not... Which does happen, doesn't it, T? I mean, I, we walked with you, with yeah. Philip Jr. through all that, and through, and that was part of it. Yeah. Is is anger yeah. is, and those natural things. Yeah. That's a real right. It's not all come here and let me pet your head, right? And and it wasn't for y'all. We watched. We they did everything right. Yeah. Everything. Uh, right. Terry, we're not, not getting. Every- it. Yeah, we're <laughs> getting it. they did everything right. Yeah, and 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 so there's. I think it's, I think also what I was what I was getting at is what I constantly have to do in light because I I think part of that like the judgmental is we forget the grace that's been shown to us and so constantly I mean 
you gotta you gotta just imagine student ministry specifically. I'm just like, what are you doing? But then also that thought of this is just never gonna change. Like they're just gonna stay this way forever, and it's gonna take them hitting rock bottom. And maybe even then they're that stubborn. But I think for me, two things that I constantly have to do is one remember, hey, how is how is the how has God's grace been shown to me? How is it con- continuously being shown to me? That's one thing I focus on. But then I also think looking into it, regardless of what the person, who the person is, what they're going through, I constantly, and I've done this, I've looked at situations that people are in, and I'm reminded of God's grace because I say, I'm two or three decisions away from being in the same camp that they're in right now. And I think if more people thought that way, and again, that does not come naturally to anybody. That is something that I constantly, and sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just like, just stop it. Like, what are you doing? Just stop. But I think if we're reminded of the grace that has led us to where we are right now and the grace that God has shown us not to put us in certain situations, I think that representation of Jesus that you mentioned in Mark, I think we see that more and more. And the church actually represents the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus that actually came and lived and died and rose again. Right. But but so often we miss that. Well, and the one in five are real numbers. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, those are reported. You know, you have to think about the number of people who are struggling in silence. Right. And we know that they are out there. And that's um, facts, though, yeah. right? That is so the church, the big C can act however it wants to act, but the people need to know, believer, non believer, whatever. One in five is church, no church, uh, whatever religion you are, whatever. It doesn't discriminate. The one in five is, is a real number. So those are the facts we're dealing with. So everybody has knows somebody. Or is current, or is currently themselves going through some sort of a mental health struggle. That's yeah. the facts, and that's the message that we've got to let. Is this isn't us creating? Look, we're just starting the overflow to be able to, uh, to open up, and um, we're finding these these mental health issues that you may have. And cre- the facts are, one in five people have an issue, and it's okay to say that, and it's okay, and the church as a whole is to open our arms and come talk about it. It yeah. does it the issue doesn't go away. And becoming a Christ follower doesn't doesn't instantly mean issues go away. Let him deal with that. But it that yeah. first step is coming and understanding that those numbers are real. You're not alone. We'll help. Yeah. We will help, right? And um I want to jump in there. I know you had a, a thought. No, yeah, no, go ahead. Um so why is it important, though, for us to be talking about mental health? Why is this something that the church needs to crack the door on? Or, you know, should, should we – are there really mental health issues, or is it just lack of a spirituality that people need to be just praying more, that kind of thing? Well, I would ask this question or or say this as a nurse. You know, you've got the, the brain, the liver, the gallbladder, the heart, the lungs. All of these are organs of the body. And if we're having abdominal pain or chest pain or whatever, and we feel like something's wrong with our stomach or our heart, then we would not hesitate to call our primary care doctor or go to the emergency room or prompt care or wherever we go and seek med- medical attention if that, beca- if that pain became severe enough. Yet, if it's pain above the neck region, 
and we're afraid that there may be something wrong with our brain, it can be physical. It could be a brain tumor. There, It can be a physical issue with the brain or a mental health issue driven by hormones or chemical imbalance or whatever. Um, we all of a sudden go into shutdown mode and feel like we can't talk about this aspect of it. That's got to go away, too, because if people are struggling to a great extent with aspects of their mental health and we say just pray more, then that, number one, is trivializing and minimizing everything they're feeling. And if What's their next step, too? Right. And, and so what is their next step? Well, you just got to pray more. Well, and then they're going home and they're okay. having these suicidal thoughts or, you know, whatever they're struggling with. And so we've got to help them take their next step towards greater mental health, whatever that may be, so that then we can now have the conversations about Jesus and prayer right. and spirituality. If they are in deep depression, for whatever reason, you know, again, there can be various sundries of, of reasons that, that cause different mental health challenges, and, we, and those aren't addressed, we may never have an audience with them to be able to talk with them about the right. other. And, and we, we would never we would never tell someone who is having a heart attack, well, we're just going to sit here and pray with you. Right. You know what I mean? We're going to pray. Right. And, and, and I please hear me. I'm not negating miraculous works of God and right. miraculous healing. We saw miraculous, absolutely God healing of our son, Rick. With his traumatic brain injury, that was a mir- miraculous healing. And God is still in the miracle business. Um, and so, yes, we do pray for that, but we pray for that as we move towards the other areas of help that we need to seek for these individuals. And what do they use, right? Once they, they, they're they told, just pray more, or they're told, yeah, but just stop doing whatever the act is. Stop taking that medicine. Stop having that. They're going to rely on something that's not helpful to get them through it which is if it's alcohol it's a depressant and it makes it worse and and but that process and that habit starts how do i deal with it i turn to something that makes it worse and, and but it feels better immediately like and i think that's you're trimming the, the grass and not getting to the root of the yeah. problem yes. well you're pouring gasoline on it i mean you yeah. were pouring gasoline on the root of the mental health issue by whatever substance you're using, whatever, you know, bad thing you're doing to your body to try to deal with the mental health. And it starts like Terry, it starts with understanding there is something underlying that's causing the why there's something and you can't diagnose yourself with these things. And that's the other thing overflow doesn't do is diagnose you with anything, right? It's being able to recognize the signs and symptoms and then giving available resources and first step type things. But for all of whoever's watching, identify with yourself right now. If you've got these issues, rip the Band-Aid off and quit with the lies, right? And then there's steps. Now you can take the steps, but it's not the booze that's going to help you. It's not the weed. It's not the pills. It's not get over that mental health issue. And that's, I think, what causes a lot of the substance abuse issues. The mixture with mental health and substance abuse is for a reason. It's because those two go hand in hand a lot of the times. Because people use substances to help to try to to mask or try to help them feel better from their underlying mental health disorder, right? And and I mean we see that a lot, do we not, Tim? Yeah. Uh, listening to you talk, I'm trying to think of how to word this. I get fired up listening to you talk about what you just talked about because I'll just give a story to, to describe 
because I get frustrated in what you just talked about in terms of the, hey, just pray more. Hey, read your Bible more. Go to church more. I had one time where I had a sore throat and um, like I was supposed to sing at this for this service or whatever. And I asked somebody that I knew, I'm not going to say who it is. I asked because you can take ibuprofen to help with soreness of throat, right? And so I asked around, I'm like, hey, do you mask around? Do you have ibuprofen? Someone says no. I ask another person, they say no. I ask a third person, they say no. Then I ask a fourth person and they say, I don't, but have you prayed about it? I'm like, no, I haven't. And for some reason, there was something inside of me that got upset when they asked me that. And then I started thinking about it more. We live in a culture now where that's the natural aspect, but we miss the fact that things like, it's one of those, I was driving down the road and you know, like, you're like, man, I wish I would have said this, but I didn't because I couldn't think of it in time. I started thinking about it of, we miss the fact that something like ibuprofen or something like mental health, you know, resources like what we're talking about or professionals, those types of things, those are evidences and avenues of God's grace. The fact that, like, I started thinking about this, like, I don't know, like the Middle Ages or something like people trusted in God to give them the elixirs and whatever. I don't know how you make ibuprofen, but gave them the information that they needed to be able to make that to then help people. Right. But we miss so often we over spiritualize things and we make we we over spiritualize it to the extent where our answer is just pray about it. When in reality, like people did pray about it and God delivered us resources to be able to find the help that we need. Mm-hmm. That get that gets me absolutely fired up because it's we, we just miss it. We over spiritualize it and over complicate it when God has clearly delivered and is delivering people, foundations, organizations, medicine, whatever it is, but we just completely miss that. Yeah. And I don't know why that is, yeah. but it just it gets me so upset when I think about it. It drives me nuts. And I want to just really quickly soften the word mental illness, mental health, mental anything, because a lot of times when people hear those words or mental disorder, we've used that some on the podcast. And when people hear those words, um, a lot of times it can cause angst. It can cause us to tighten our muscles and, you know, be uncomfortable and be tense and all of a sudden feel like this is a no-no conversation or whatever. And um, that couldn't be any further from the truth. And what we're feeling with that is the stigma that's attached to conversations regarding mental health. Um, because Hollywood's not done us any favors. You think about the movies that have come out surrounding mental health disorders and that kind of thing. You know, um, there's a lot of fear associated with this. And so um, I want to soften it by saying that oftentimes mental health challenges come from for individuals because of a background of trauma. Trauma is the number one reason for the setup of a possible mental health challenge. And so you think about that with your children and youth and the types of families um, that some of our precious children and youth are growing up in or the single parent households and that are really struggling, that kind of thing. No one can determine for an individual what trauma is, 
But we all have to acknowledge that trauma is a huge indicator, and probably every single one of us have been through some sort of traumatic situation or event or something in our lives. I mean, I, my parents died when I was 17. Rick's accident happened with this traumatic brain injury. Then, Philip, you better believe I have mental health challenges because of the trauma. Does that mean I'm a weirdo? Does that mean I'm a sicko? Does that mean people need to stay away from me because I'm unsafe? Um, it doesn't mean any of that. It just means that there have been that there's been trauma in my life. And so now I have to talk about that with professionals from time to time that can help me continue to speak truth over situations in my life and around the life of my family so I don't live in fear and in anxiety because of previous trauma. Does that make sense? And so I hope I'm normalizing and softening a lot of this um, for all of us in helping us realize that Uh, Mental health challenges are common and they are impactful, but there is hope and there are resources available. We always want to draw it back, begin and end on hope. Um, There is hope. Um, It is not a death sentence. Um, There are many, 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 many people living well um, despite the diagnosis of a mental health disorder. It's not a death sentence, Um, and oftentimes it requires a multitude of resources and um, people that assist um, with continuing to help those individuals take the positive steps that they need to to take steps forward. It's one step at a time for every single one of us, regardless of what we're looking at. It's one step at a time, and I'm I'm happy with that because I can figure out how to take a step to get to my car to get back home today, right? I'm really oversimplifying it, and that, but that's simple, and I can do that. Exactly. And so if you're listening or watching or however this goes, I'm the oldest person <laughs> in here. I don't know what we're doing it's right now. It's actually on the radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, just take a step. Just take a step. That's all we're asking you to do today. Trust that there are people around you that love you, and that care for you, um, and that there are resources available for you. And if you um, want to look at some of those resources, you can go to um, overflow.foundation to our help page and look at local, state, and national resources that are available for both mental health as well as substance use disorder resources. Um, And I know that the entire staff um, pastors and support staff here at Cedar Creek Church, um, our home group leaders. Um, we are real people doing real life, and we would love to do life with you. Community of Hope is another one. Yes. Um, Community of Hope is a monthly gathering um, sponsored by Overflow Foundation. It happens out here at the Cedar Creek Church Banks Mill campus on the fourth Sunday of every month at three o'clock in building four. And that is simply a place for individuals and or their families to come who may be struggling with an aspect of their mental health, who may be walking alongside someone um, who is struggling, or if you're a person that just wants to learn more and wants to serve. Um, then come and be with us. It's a fantastic gathering. Of uh, you talk about real people, they are. 
becoming very transparent. They're sharing their stories um, of pain with one another. And that's where we really find our next steps of hope. When we hear one another's stories, when we are transparent with that pain that we're having, when we surrender pain um, and ask God to use it, and He uses it in the lives of other people um, so that it can give them help and hope when they hear those stories. And so we'd love to have you at Mental Health Community Hope. Um, And so we love you, and we know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Um, And we want you to believe that, too. Thank you all for the amazing conversation today, and we'll be back in two weeks.